This is episode 58 of Parenting 2.0, The Focused Mindset. Today, you get to listen in on a conversation that I had with James Perdue, aka the Professor of Perseverance. You may have seen him on YouTube, or you may have listened to his podcast. Well, we have him here today, and he's going to tell a little bit about his story. The Professor of Perseverance knows a lot about perseverance. He's wheelchair-bound, and he's been through challenges and come out the other side willing to inspire and help others and help share other people's stories. So now it's his turn to share his story with us. But first, if you're new here, don't forget to subscribe or download so you don't miss any of the family-oriented content that we have here. And know that it is no mistake that you're listening to this right now. I bet you that James is going to share something that's going to touch your heart and help you be able to persevere through any challenge that you face. And if you're looking for a way to help your children persevere, don't forget to check the show notes or hop over to my website so you can look at the Big Life Journal. The Big Life Journal is a company that has journals for kids, but also has a ton of other products that teaches children perseverance. Now is the time to help instill in our children the ability to keep moving forward. I've said before that many of the kids that I work with right now are still kind of in shock and figuring out how they're going to come out of the very last season of their life. And when they learn the skill of perseverance, the skill of self-confidence, they are going to be able to move in the next chapter of their life with confidence. So go to thefocusedmindset.com, click the Big Life Journal, or check out the show notes and you'll get a special link for my affiliate link so you can support this podcast when you buy Big Life Journal products. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. All right. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to finally have James on the show. James, you have an amazing podcast and you call yourself the Professor of Perseverance and we're gonna hear all about that. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you, Cher, for giving me the opportunity. And again, I'm waiting for you to show, do one of them share songs for me. And so, uh, I do believe in life after love. So, you know, you know. there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I, um, I'm doing a series about perseverance and it's mostly because there's a lot of people just trying to push to the end of this school year and get their th kids through this crazy school year. And, um, and just to give you a little background as a school counselor, I have never really dealt with as much loss and pain and hardship with the kids that I'm counseling as I have in the last couple of months since we in California, at least in my school district, went back to school and I was able to see these kids face to face. And so we've been spending the last month or so talking about perseverance and not giving up and just what we can do to get through the rough patches. And I thought, what better way to finish this uh, off by speaking to you and finding out what your story is and how you've become passionate about helping others persevere. You know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'll tell you the main thing here, you have two options in life, right? You can stop, don't do anything and just be content with life or you can move forward in life, right? So it's, it's like, all right, show's over. Thank you. It's all you need to know. <laughs> We're done. That was fast. There we go. No, my, my, I actually was at a college on a college scholarship. To, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Wanted one of them, you know, to, to be a, a pro athlete, uh, to bring in some money to help my mom. My father died when I was 16. So I had to grow up fast. Mm. We weren't what you would call poor, but we were knocking on the door being poor. See, for example, if it rained during the summer, 
we may have a leak on the roof and we couldn't afford a roofer. So I had to go up and try to find the place, patch it the best I could and go from there. Winter time, if the pipes froze, I'm underneath the house at 14 degrees, trying to find where it's frozen or busted and having to fix it. So with auto mechanics, whatever else. So I had to grow up fast. So I was good in playing baseball, enjoyed it. So I wanted to be able to be a professional athlete. That way I can get my mom this new house for her and new car and give my brothers new cars and houses for them and help take care of them. You know, a long time ago, they used to have what's called a mail ordered bride. So I was going to get a mail order order groom for my mom. Oh my uh, gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) You had it all set up. You had it all planned, right? It was all planned. Yes, it it was going, going my way up until I got to play one college game in the fall. And I was the only freshman starting. So to say that be only freshman starting, that's, that's pretty good. And so actually my mom came to watch the game. My older brother came, my grandmother was there. And so after the game, my mom said, Hey, uh, come on home for tonight. I'll cook you home, cook meal. And I'll drive back down to campus the next day. I said, Oh mom, I'm going back with all the other ball players. And and I was one of them. I thought I was invincible that nothing was going to stop me. I do what I wanted to. And said, no, mom, I'm going back with the other players. I said, the way things are going, nothing's going to stop me. Wow. Nothing. You know, it's kind of like the the guy that on the the Titanic, he says, even God himself can't sink this ship. And I tell people, you know, well, God didn't have to. The iceberg did it for him. <laughs> but here I am with the same attitude. Yeah, Nothing's you felt invincible at that point. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing was going to stop. So got to play one game. Very next day, there was actually people playing football on the college campus. Now, we were playing tackle, but we had no protective gear, no helmets, no pads, nothing like that. My team got the ball back and we were probably not there, maybe two hours. And I remember telling my team, um, hey, I'm done playing for today. We got the ball back. I, I had to leave. Get my stuff ready for class next day. So I walked out of the huddle and I got maybe 10 feet away. And then I heard someone say, we need someone to run the ball. I stopped, turned around and came back for that one more play. Now, how many times have we heard someone say they went back for one more time? Or if it's one month before they're retiring and then they find out they got some type of cancer or they get died suddenly or something. Captain Charlie Plum back in the late 60s was in the uh, Vietnam War. He was only a 75th flying mission and it was his last one, he said. He gets shot down on his last sh- mission mm-hmm. and he's a prisoner of war for nearly six years. Wow. And so here I am again, come back for one more play and then that one play has put me where I'm at today. They hand the ball off to me. I bust through the line, broke a couple of tackles, scored a touchdown. As I was putting the ball down, I was turning towards everyone. And I saw something in my peripheral vision on my right side. I have no idea what I saw, but I uh, just saw something on my right side. I felt contact on my right shoulder. And then I heard a loud pop. Wow. We both go to the ground. This other guy, he's all excited about something. And again, since I thought I was invincible, the loud pop I thought was my collarbone broken. And I was left-handed. And so I thought it was my right collarbone, so I was left-handed. So I was going to get up and fight the dude one-handed. I lift my head to get up. That's all that came. Nothing Wow. My shoulders didn't come up. Arms didn't come up. Legs definitely didn't come up. I was paralyzed instantly. Wow. That is unbelievable that it, that it would even happen that fast. Yeah, it was as soon as that nerve endings and that spinal cord got disrupted. Yeah. It, it was it was over with. Wow, but you were conscious. I was awake for the whole time. Um, fortunately, one guy, and I wish I could meet some of these people because it's been, it was 1983 when this happened. And so, wait a minute, I could do that like my grandfather would do it. It was back in... 
three. In the ancient times. <laughs> yeah, that's what my grandfather would do. So, but um, yeah, I wish I could meet some because there is one guy, he was going to class, to school, to be, I don't know if it, back then there was just paramedics or EMT, something to do that. Medical. All of yeah. a sudden he's yelling for someone, run to his room, get a blanket, bring my stethoscope, bring wow. my blood pressure cup, bring me pencil and pad. And he's taking my pulse, blood pressure the whole no time. No way. Trying to get me from going into shock. And and he was he was great. And then, I course, cannot believe it, you remember all this. This is so interesting. Well, I bet you there's stuff that's happened back in your day that you remember. And people go, okay. But you would think that you would pass out. I mean, you had to have been in pain. No, uh, there was very little pain really what I did feel because of the right nerve on this side of my right side of my neck where I got hit and mm -hmm. jarred but it didn't hurt that bad it just felt like a crick wow. really it didn't really wasn't painful and so um and so then you find out you somehow you get to the hospital and how did you find out that this was something that was going to be permanent I mean how did you all wrap your mind around that all of that well, before we got there, I tell oh, you, I, yeah, I'm rushing. Started, I'm rushing this story. Sorry. Think, no, no, you're doing great. You're doing great. Uh, before we got there, uh, I, I started thinking of a man that I met named JT. Oh, I started thinking of JT. Isn't that something laying there paralyzed and you thinking of somebody else? But the reason I started thinking of JT when I was 12, 14, 15 years old, I used to go visit my grandfather in a nursing home. One day I went to go visit a couple of rooms up from my grandfather apparently a new patient been put in. And then I was walking by and all of a sudden he hollers, Hey bud, come here, man. And I go in, he says, can you hold that water for me? So I can get a drink and had a straw and a plastic cup and held it for him to do was paralyzed from his neck down. Right. He was in his thirties and he had gotten his neck broken in a car accident. He was in the thirties in a nursing home. And so I'm laying there thinking of JT and then thinking at the age of 19, I'm going to be in a nursing home. Yeah. Your mind's swirling at that point. So we'll get to the county hospital. They, I don't know if they didn't want to tell me, afraid I go into shock or what. I mean, I knew I couldn't move anything and I don't know, but they would never give me the, the belief that I was paralyzed or what was going on. They did the x-rays, did everything else, but then they got me ready to go to Nashville two hours away to go to St. Thomas Bigger Hospital mm. that can deal with spinal cord injury. But here's a funny thing is, I say funny, but the ironic is I met a girl. And when I first went to college, I went for three reasons. One, to get drafted. That way I helped take care of my family. Two, to meet all the girls I could meet and party was number three. That was the only three reason I didn't care about graduating, but that was my three objectives. Oh my gosh. I'm in the hallway laying on a gurney, can't move or anything. This girl goes past me and she says, hey, what are you doing here? I just met this girl four days earlier. No. She was going to be a nurse is what she was studying. And I remember telling her about how my my father died. I had to be the yeah. man of the family. Had to grow up, you know, do the roofing, do the mechanic, do the plumbing. And I said, somebody, I said, one day uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure put on me. Something bad's going to happen. And then she says, well, you're going to have to uh, depend on other people. I said, I can't. Too many people depend on me. Wow. This is four days later. She's in the hospital there. And and, and she said, what are you doing? I said, well, my neck's broken. I'm paralyzed. I don't know if she didn't believe me or what. But she picks up the uh, stuff and starts looking at it and then puts it down. And I don't remember what I was said then, but she wasn't there in more than two, three minutes. Wow. And she went about her business. But yeah, I had met her just a few days earlier. And so uh, they shipped me to... Uh, St. Thomas Hospital in Nashville, and they confirmed what, what I already knew, that I was paralyzed, and uh, they said, because uh, I remember asking the doctor, said, doctor, how bad is it? And he said, bad enough, you'll never walk again, possibly not move from your neck down. Mm -mm. Months later, doctors advised my family to put me in a nursing home. But that obviously did not occur. Obviously, we were too hard-headed and didn't want to listen to the doctors. And so we want to make a big liar out of them. And so we did our own physical therapy stuff at home, basically. I started, um, before I left the hospital, I started moving muscles in my legs. Okay. And so being invincible, I always had in my mind that I would walk again. I knew I'd never play baseball, 
here I'm moving muscles in my legs and everything. I'm thinking, all right, we get some good training down here, build his strength back up. And so my family, myself, the hard work, we got where I was able to stand with a walker and walk for 10 minutes. What? Now that 10 minutes felt like running a mile. Right. I walked for 10 minutes. So I made a liar to that doctor that uh, I walked for 10 minutes. It's just the 23 hours and 50 minutes he was correct. <laughs> but for that 10 minutes. He was a liar. He was a liar. <laughs> That's true. I would say we'll just pretend like it was the whole 24 hours. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so interesting to hear the, the whole story of how it went down and to think about the age that you were at and just and how everything changed in one little heartbeat. And yes, you had to persevere, but you must have began to grow some humble like I mean, where how did you all take this in? Like that was what I was wondering is how did this sink in? And what are some of the things you went through during that process? I went to 18 different rehabs in first five years, trying to find that cure to walk again. Now, most of them were a one-day evaluation. You drive to Atlanta, Shepherds, they evaluated me. Now you come far as you ever come. Uh, Pennsylvania told everybody, uh, people, I drove 18 hours to go to Pennsylvania where the doctor spent 15 minutes with me and then nothing they could do. Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, four hours away, did a research with them basically and they couldn't do anything. I did spend time in Miami with the Miami Project for three months, three and a half months. And then far as I can come. And so finally, after the last place I went to, now, I, I didn't purposely do this to lie, but it ended up being a lie, okay? I told my family and was telling myself, not that I'm giving up on trying to walk, but we need to put it on the back burner. And if I'm going to have any type of life, I need to go to college, need to get my degree and try to do something. Wow. Because then I didn't know hardly anybody spinal cord injured back then. Yeah, um, You never heard anything about them. That was so before I didn't the know, internet. I didn't know if you can get jobs. I didn't know what you can do. So I just figured you had to have a degree. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so, so when I said I'm not quitting trying to walk, but putting it on the back burner, well, and to be the biggest lie I told myself and them. Because mm -hmm. after that, I've never been to a rehab trying to walk. Now, I've been to a rehab or therapy to get stretched and worked out, build some strength in my arms, stuff like that. But for the walking part, I've never done another one since then. Did you feel like, did you feel a pull towards moving forward and acceptance? Was there like some kind of pull going on within you that, to, that maybe you weren't aware of? I didn't realize how depressed I really was in those first five years until I got out of it. Hmm. Now, I did the old funny face thing. Hey, I'm good. How are y'all mm -hmm, today? Mm -hmm. And then when no one's around and I'm sleeping in bed, cry myself to bed because I'm so depressed. Right. But around everybody else, I'm trying to play the game. So my mom and brothers wouldn't worry about me. And then see friends out in the community, you know, because you don't be negative around them. You know, you, you, you met people. You met people. How you doing, man? Oh, I'll tell you what, it's raining outside. I had to kick my dog once. And then uh, and they tell you everything negative is going on. And after about the fourth time, you see them, you go, hey, man, you're yelling half a mile away just to go or get away. So I know like I you didn't want to be that person, people. right? You didn't yeah, want to be could, that person. I could be yeah. negative because then people wouldn't want to come act, uh, be active with me, you know, talk. Right. So I played the game with all them. And so, but once I finally accepted everything. I mean, I already accepted I was being in a wheelchair, but again, fighting, trying to find that cure to walk wasn't a total acceptance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I finally totally accept everything, things seemed to be, came my way, you know, the best we could. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you must, there's something internally within you that was saying, okay, you need to find acceptance so you can live your life, right? Because you were on hold for all of that time. And, and I can imagine that it was very challenging to find your, actually what you were meant to do on earth, if you will, um, when you were busy thinking about something that was 
that was no more, you know, like a living in the past. You just didn't realize that was happening. Does that make sense? And living in the past, since you brought that up, I just finished a book two months ago and have a mini course. So go to James, go to professorofperseverance.com and get your free mini course and a free ebook of, it's titled, Your Past Doesn't Have a Future, But You Do. Oh, I love that. Your future today. So thank you for walking into that for me. Right? I love that. But but it but it's the way that it feels. It's like you just didn't realize that was going on within you, right? Because you were just stuck on one path that I need to recover, but there was this other door that you needed to walk through, it sounds like. Is that kind of what yeah, you're exactly. Yeah, because I would I would go to these different rehabs and they always want to focus on me pushing my wheelchair, transferring in and out of my wheelchair getting dressed, feeding myself. You don't want to have nothing. And I'm going, no, your rehab, y'all supposed to teach me how to walk. Oh my goodness. I got legs. They're moving. Look, I go, the muscles are moving. See, I need y'all to work on. And they, in reality, were doing the right thing. I just didn't accept it. Yeah. Okay. And because again, yeah, yeah. Because this is what I wanted. I was one-sided blind blinders everywhere else to walk again because I figured everything else would have come. I even one time I was in the hospital and my, my grandmother was a nurse and she was up there and we were talking one day and I don't, I don't know how it came up. Somehow it came up about, I would, I would trade. Then I was moving my arms in the hospital, moving my wrist fingers a little bit. And I'd mentioned my grandmother again, she was a nurse and I mentioned her and said, I, I trade my legs for my arms. So I get up and walk. And she says, well, you need to think about that before you go totally into it. She said, because uh, how you can go to the bathroom? <laughs> and, uh, you know, if the door is shut, the door is shut. And how are you going to get out that door if there's a fire? She's logic. And, He's, she's using logic on you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> she was trying I'm, to let's logically think this through, shall we? <laughs> I, go, I go, nanny, no, you're supposed to be on my side. <laughs> you know so uh yeah, yeah she yeah she was point blank telling me like it is and sometimes in life we have to have point blank i don't care if it hurts your feelings tell it like it is yeah you know we have too we have too many friends that are going to fluff and build us up fluff us up you know and we know they're they're bull crapping us you know but we like hearing it because we don't want to hear what's wrong with us yeah well so, you it sounds like you just all of a sudden was like, you know what? Well, I need to move in. When you did that, so five years in, you had an internal change. And when you quote unquote, put it on the back burner, really something within you moved forward, you know, and that is just a, that right there is a picture of perseverance, even though maybe you didn't even realize it at that time, you were pushing towards your future at that point. And where did you push towards? I mean, what did you accomplish after that mindset shift? And when I went back to college, again, when I graduated high school, I was a solid C student. Now I say solid, it may be in a little crumbly solid, right. but I was a solid C student. Now, I always had the teachers and my parents say, you're smarter than this, you can do better than C's. But I only needed to see average to stay eligible to play baseball. Why, why do more if I don't have to? Why stress it? Yeah. And again, I went to college. I went for three reasons and none of them was to graduate. No. Okay. And so when I first went back, my brother gave me some wise wisdom. He said, all the hard work, determination, everything you had, persevering, everything you had to play sport, baseball, now you need to direct it to your studies. And so that's where I started finally and I tell people, when I got my associate's degree, we had a two-year school where I live in the, in the city and went to there first. And I had no clue how to study because I never did it in school. I just did it off the top of my head to keep a C. And so, um, so when I finally got serious, I remember taking this one so, uh, history class. And um, I mean, I bet he had 20 pages of note for the midterms. And here's how, here's how I studied for it memorize page one. Oh my gosh memorize page two then when i'm ready for a third page i'd go back over one and two to make sure i had it right and then through number three yeah. and if i felt comfortable now let's add number four 
Wow. Then I'd go back to one, two, three, four. Finally, I was doing one through 20, all 20 pages memorizing. I have no idea what it had anything to do with today, but I memorized it. Mm-hmm. I remember right before the midterm, I met this one girl and I said, well, I had, did you study? She says, well, about an hour before I got here. I go, an hour? Good luck to you. And uh, now I didn't say that to hurt her feelings. I said it to myself. And so we got our test results back. She studies an hour before and made a 90. I spent four days memorizing 20 pages. I got a 94. And I'm going, I'm going, yes, four more points for four more days of study. Oh, there you go. I was just talking to my daughter about this. Um, you know, just how our brains are all wired so different. And I have one daughter that's more like you to where she's in cosmetology school right now. And I cannot believe how much she studies. I mean, she studies like she's studying to be a doctor and then she celebrates if it's a B because it's very challenging for her to remember things. And my other daughters, and I was telling my younger one that's 13, I was like, you have to understand that that's what you're doing right now. And she just kind of reads it up and then she remembers. I said, you have to really look at that as a gift because there's a lot of people that can't do that. I wish I had that skill. I'm more of like you. I have to read it and read it again and highlight and think about it and make a song to it, something, you know. Yeah, I used to do the, 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 I'd go, all right, there's three things I got to remember in this one and put a specific number. That way I know I hit those three Uh or something. Yeah, that's what I had to do on that. And then it took me for a while to realize when you you mentioned highlighting, it took me forever to figure this out that I was highlighting with a black marker instead of a yellow one. Uh, That that could be a problem. (laughs) It could be a slight problem. So, um, to, uh, At that to, point. To, to shorten thing, everything down, one time I was getting out of, it was raining, I'm getting out of my car uh, to get into class, and I look over there, and there's the whole class is staring from the inside, not getting wet, and they're looking at me, and I'm going, no one's even going to offer to help me get out of the rain, and so uh, I get together, get in, and one dude comes up to me and says, man, I couldn't do it, couldn't do what you're doing, and I said, what do you mean? He says, I just can't do it. I said, one you don't know if you can because you're not in my predicament. I said, I said, if you were like me, spinal cord injury, you you would know if you could or couldn't. You don't, you don't know. I yeah. said, I'm sure there's something you're doing that I'm going, I don't know if I could do it. Okay. I don't know if I could be Captain Charlie Plum and be in a prisoner of war for six years. Right. Mentally. And not want to hang myself. I, I don't know. And yeah. so I said, you don't know for sure. And then I told him, I said, hey, man, we've got two choices in life. Neither I could have easily laid in bed there's someone feeding water me like a plant and then uh, watch TV of their favorite shows because I couldn't re- couldn't use the remote or I get up, go do things, do the best I can in life. And I said, that's that's the way I look at it, you know, from there. And it seems like that's what you continue to do. I mean, when I know we're fast forwarding the tape a lot, but when did you start to become passionate about helping others persevere? How did that begin to be? important to you in your life? I mean, it sounds like sort of just by conversations like that, or was there other things that happened? It was, no, it was, um, I first got into with my brother, older brother, we got into coaching our Babe Ruth league, coaching baseball. So I wanted to be a baseball coach after this, all this happened. And so, um, so while, you know, I thought 13 to 15 year olds, what a great, great age group to have to mess with because they're really going through some trying times and if they want to ask for advice i'll give it to them if they don't want to you know you just mind your own business you know and so become friends with quite a few of them not all of them like me but you know quite a few of them i got one that i coached loved kid he's locked up in the penitentiary for 17 years wow and so i'm writing back and forth with him even though i hadn't coached him in 20 years Mm. And he, I just, I just know that if someone like that would have happened to me, I would hope that somebody remember would want to talk to me. And so I've, I've sent a couple of my books to him to read and um, write letters, you know, back forth with him to, to help him buy some time, you know, to at least forget about what's going on there, to, at least temporarily. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying what he done was right. I'm just saying he shouldn't be thrown out of castaway like uh, leprosy and he still and, needed to persevere right i mean that's the thing well and see that in my book again where your past doesn't have a future but you do create your future and the dedication 
I haven't sent this book to him yet, but in the dedication, I put his first name in there wow. and say, I pray and hope that you find the silver lining through what you're going through now. And so when I send it to him, let's see if he reads the dedication. I hope he so, does. So I won't tell him. I won't tell him no. until he sends me a letter back. And then oh. I'll send it back to him and say, hey, man, did you read that dedication? What's going I on? I know. Here? If he doesn't say anything about it, you'd be like, really? Really? And it, what was funny is um, the last letter he sent to me from, a, from I forgot what it was all in. But he put, he put it in there and said, I like your one-liners that are in here. And he said, I'm going to give you one right now that uh, we finish up. And he says, if that doesn't make your wood burn, you're all wet or something like that. <laughs> or your, your wood is wet or something. They like, don't get you fired up your woods. And then actually in this book, your past doesn't have a future, but you do create a future today. Chapter, I think it's chapter five. That's the title of the book. Ah, the, the chapter. The chapter, is, yeah. Yeah. Is if this He's got to know this. Oh, no, he has to know this. So I'm going to refer back to him. How did you know that was the chapter five title? So, and then I'll send a book to him. Uh, that's going to be so cool. Uh, he, I bet you so, he's going to notice both of those things, huh? So, so the last thing here is, is I ended up going to school and everything back and forth and got a teaching degree and uh, coached girls basketball with assistant coach with the uh, baseball team in high school for a while. So did it about 12, 13 years, 14 years. And then uh, some of the health issues happened. Time to get out. So now I'm doing all this podcasting, YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah, but that's, I mean, I don't know. That's, I'm still so curious. I want to know like how you bridged from plugging forward, plugging forward, plugging forward to a platform of encouraging others, you know, because you really didn't have to do that. I know it sounds like you liked helping kids and you help, but, you know, you could have just had a podcast about, you know, I don't know, baseball or, you know, anything, but you chose to be able to call people in that have persevered and share their stories and what motivated you to do such a thing? Um, and, and again, the, for me, I thought this was one of my strongest points when I would interview for a teaching job. They would ask me some, uh, some question I forgot and I would go, I feel that as much effort and energy that it takes for me to get out of bed, get dressed, get in my wheelchair, take a shower, well, take a shower, then get dressed, and then <laughs> drive here. I said, hopefully the kids realize what all the hard work takes me to get here, that the kids would go, I just got a little headache, but if Coach Purdue can get there, I can get there. Yeah. I said, yeah. so I thought that was one of my strong points. I didn't get hired for three years. <laughs> so that's another perseverance. In Tennessee, we have 95 counties. I applied over 50 counties, over half the state what? before I finally got hired. What? Wow. So wow. that's another perseverance story. Yeah. So uh, the pers perseverance, uh, the good thing is um, if you want something bad enough, you're going to go get it. <laughs> if if you, you set goals and you fall short of a goal, now you get determined, do I, is it really worth me going after what I want to in the long run? Or did this one-term goal go, nah, nah, it's not worth it more. Then you find something else. All right. And, and, and we go after what our desires are, our, our, our determination, our aspirations, what we want to do is what we go after. And so, you know, so if you shoot a goal and you fall short and you go, no, nah, never mind, forget it. All right. Or you can step back, reevaluate, and then find a way to go around that. Or is that goal necessary? Right. It may not even be necessary. You can still get what you want and forget that step. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah so set little winnable goals to keep your self-confidence up and just those are something all... you really want then you'll go you'll do it do best that you can you know that you think you've seen these pictures where the people were talking about uh, you quit too early and i go bull crap you know because they got the guy digging in a hole looking for the gold and you see him walking away and the guy went three feet further and hit the jackpot bull how how do you know that three feet is there? I mean, he's gone for 50,000 miles and he's going to miss about three feet. Bull. I mean, I understand the concept. Yeah. Bull. But that's not the way that you view perseverance. Like you said, because if you're going after a goal and it's time to reevaluate, 
real reevaluation doesn't mean just to plug forward mindlessly. It's to reevaluate and say, okay, is this the direction that I want to be heading? You know, is there another route that I need to be taking? Or is there another goal that I'm supposed to be going after? And so all of this is really, really important to what we're hitting right now um, for people to understand because when they are going through it, there is the tendency to make excuses and just chill and, and give up or just make excuses for their child or not allow their child to keep going. And I think it's so important for us to learn that skill of continuing, just taking another step forward, not mindlessly, thoughtfully, right? How many people fall short of a goal or their aspiration, their dream, because someone says, oh, you're wasting your time. Right. You know, you, you, you're not going to get it, so don't even try. Mm. Or, I don't think that is, is the biggest play for us not going after what we want is we set our own self-limitations wow we don't want to rock the boat because what if i try and fail well i don't want to be a failure so i don't try or what if i fail and then i go oh boo i spent three years i didn't get anywhere but look back what else did you accomplish in those three years that you weren't even trying to do okay we set self-limitations that hinder us, stop us far more than the external outside of us people that uh, prevent us from moving forward. Yeah, our self-limitations are what can paralyze us mentally, you know? I mean, you're sitting there uh, paralyzed, but you have chose to sharpen the mind to where you're not allowing your mind to sit paralyzed uh, in one place. And I counsel kids. I counseled a kid just the other day who has a dream of being a soccer player. And his father died like yours um, just in this last year during COVID. And he said, you know, he goes, my teacher told me that if I don't do good in school, then I'm not going to be able to be a soccer player because they'll look back at my grades. And this kid, mind you, is only in fifth grade. So I'm sure the teacher was well-meaning in that story, uh, in that advice. But he said, you know what? They're already going to look at my grades and saw that I didn't do good all year long. So why try? I might as well just not. And in that mindset, it made sense to him in that moment. And um, it's just, it was, it's hard to see him in that spot, but I felt like, you know, he needs to understand that there's something on the other side that he needs to just start walking forward and not be defined by his past. So I think that book that you're writing and what you are a, a living proof of is that we need to see what's on the other side, you know, and not be defined by our past. There was a story and I don't remember exactly who off the top of my head, but I do remember the, the moral of the story and the high points, but a guy, teacher in the fifth or sixth grade, what do you want to do when you grow up? And everybody's telling what they want to do. This one boy wanted to be a professional athlete. I can't remember if it was basketball or football, or baseball, or soccer. I don't remember. Wanted to be a professional athlete. She sends a little note to everybody, and she put on his, it'll never happen. You need to get something realistic. He comes back from school. He's depressed. Dad asks him something. He just walk, and he puts the note in a drawer. Comes back like 20 years later, he made some professional athlete thing, and somehow it came up. He went to go in that drawer and pulls it open. There's that note from the fifth grade teacher that said, You will never, it'll never happen. And so, yeah. yeah the power of we, our work. as educators, yeah, we have the opportunity to, to break our kids or to yeah. build them up. Isn't it crazy? So I mean, the word I'd rather that give them the says. falsify lie to keep them trying then uh, this is one of the point blank things you don't want to, you don't want to tell a kid it's going to break their spirit. Mm-hmm. So I would rather go ahead and do the little white lie. Hey, as long as you keep working hard, you do the best you can. And then you don't have to say you may be an athlete. You just say, you know, Hey, you just keep working hard and go from there. See yeah. what's happening. You know, yeah. you know, the old thing is uh, people, uh, anybody can be the president of the United States bull. You only get one president every four, four, eight years. Now, a million people are going to be a president, only one winner. How many people lost out? So, yeah, that's, that's right. You, you got to be realistic in some ways. You do, but you're right where the words of an adult can stick with you and they never meant it like that. They think they're being uh, giving them a reality check or something like this. 
and, um, and it's not the way it's taken. And so I do think there's a responsibility that we have when we're working with kids, when we're, whether it be parenting or teaching the, to understand the role that we play. And it's not really a white lie because we, who are we to say, you know, who are we to say what their life is going to be? We're not. So it, in that case, like you're lying just as much to tell them that it's not going to happen as you are saying that it is going to happen. We don't tell the future. So why not be encouraging? Um, and I hope that we always remember that because even just as simple as going to college, you know, you could say, um, well, you know, you might not get into that college you want to get into, or you can say, give it a shot. Let's move forward. Let's try. And then believe that your child will have the ability to get through to the other side if they don't get in, that they will be able to persevere through that struggle, that you didn't do them a disservice by helping them go for that goal, even if it didn't get reached. Yeah. And I feel as though that's another lesson that you had to learn is that, okay, I, I, it was not meant to be for me to um, provide for my family and the way that I thought that I was going to, but what is what is in my future and you just have gone for that you know and that's i just hope that many people can see not only because it's like well wow look at what he has to do just to get out of bed but they can say no it's bigger than that it's that you don't need to be defined by your past right i love that and what's the name of your book again the name of the book that came out just a few months with the mini course your past doesn't have a future but you do create your future today because it's true i love that Thank you for plugging me in there. So I appreciate that. Now, the example of college is uh, you may not get into your college of choice. You may have to go to a two-year school to prove your grades, then reapply, and you might be able to finish up at your college. Right. And you, there, why, are you, why do you need to tell a fifth grader that? Just say, go for it. And then when the time comes, they will be able to you know, find that path, right? Um, but I, I just think that, okay, so in your book, you already shared some stuff, actually, but what is a takeaway that you want to share with us? Can you give us a little sneak peek at what we're going to get when we head over to uh, your site and get your book and your, and, and your course? And again, in the opening chapter, chapter one, that we're, we're taught to grow up, uh, depending on where you're at, whether you're the Bible Belt or whatever, going to church, if you're not going to church, whatever, but we're taught we need to forgive people. You know, somebody's done us wrong. We perceive they did us wrong. We need to forgive them for what they've done for to us. All right. Whether they really did or not, if our feelings are hurt, we need to forgive them. Well, here's the biggest thing, too. Nowhere has it ever said, I'm, I haven't found it in the Bible yet, but I don't know the whole Bible. But I started thinking one day, because living in the past, how many people are not forgiving themselves? And they want to hang back there. Okay. Oh, I got a DUI. I got arrested for drugs and I can't get the job that I want. Uh, I got a friend if he's been in and out of jail most of his life. And one day I asked him about getting a job. And he says, Oh, it's my record about to hire me. I said, boy, man, people have murdered people and got out of jail and they got, they got jobs. Yeah, and, stop, and, stop limiting yeah. yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 So he's continued living in the past that because of my record, no one's going to give me a chance. And so, He'd rather collect the $191 welfare food stamps and not do anything. Right. And so, um, but if don't your book... complain to me right. when you're not getting anything else like everybody else. Right. You can't. You can't because you did that. And the thing is, is if your book can encourage one person to say, you know what? I have been, I have been living in my past. I have been uh, stuck. You know, I've been sitting here stuck. If it can help one person, it's worth it, you know, because that's what life is all about moving forward and finding what we really were meant to be. And it's not necessarily what we expect. Oh, yeah, I said, or I said uh, before, I could have easily just gone, why me? Why poor pitiful me? Oh, no, forget that crap. Let's go, let's move on, do the best we can and go from there. Now, this guy, this friend of mine, uh, here's a funny story probably about 15 years ago maybe a little longer Tennessee has the lottery and it's the first time it got up to a 500 million whoa half a billion dollars <laughs> he sees me one day and he goes hey man you see what that lottery's up to I said yeah man he said now you check this out 
this is the guy that's living in the past and everything. Uh -huh. He said, I had this in the book. He said, he said, I sure love to win that. But if they, but if I did, they, meaning welfare and food stamp office, would take my food stamps away from me. What? And I go, I said, wait a minute, hold on, man. You couldn't live off half a billion dollars, 500 million that you I had like to had that. $191 food stamps. I like, are you listening to yourself? So, yeah. <laughs> so when thinking like that, you can't help them. When we're talking about uh, switching things in our mind, it, it seems so challenging for some and then easier for others, but it is always a choice. It's always an action that we have to make that choice because if not, we're, they're going to stay right where that friend is. They're just going to stay there in the past. It's not going to happen without saying this is it well in one in part of my case i i mean it took me five years to finally move on like i said and was depressed but i'd go to different rehabs and i'd meet these other guys and they'd only been in a wheelchair a month and they're going on like they've been in it for 10 years wow they had already accepted and they were going to do their life best and they were moving on and i was i'd ask one of them said man how can you think that and he goes well, it's just me so what do you do and uh so yeah, wish I'd had that attitude earlier, but again, we take we we have our own ways of letting everything process and go through. And and again, you had to go through your when process. You're focused, yeah. When you're focused on one thing and one thing only, blinders to everything else. I mean, and then you just again, again do the best we can and go from there. Yeah, I know that in my life I've lived with blinders on, and when I realize it, and you snap out of it, it's like when you're living in that place and then all of a sudden you're able to take the blinders off, it's like, what in the world, where was all of this around me? And it was right there. You just didn't see it. You know, I've had that experience in my lifetime and it's just like, it just shows time and time again, like you just said, we limit ourselves. I like, I've told other people say, you know, when you realized have I think I think we go through some tragedies, maybe not everything, but we go through some challenges and adversities to show us and teach us how strong we really are. Mm. You know, and then people, they'll, you know, the, we, and we're going to fall back and forth. We'll get into a little depression, but we'll get back out of it. But even when we fall back into what we call Pityville, all right, it's still okay for, to, for that because now you can look and see how much you have really done. In yeah. the last few years, and how far you have come from there, and That's I tell very people wise. who said, and then when and when you realize going through life that the light at the end of the tunnel is not a freight train coming, <laughs> you're doing all right. You know, I tell people who said, you know, sometimes we have to walk through the fertilizer to smell the roses. Right. So you know, so yeah, so that, that I tell people just, yeah, you know, sometimes we have to go through the bad to get to the good. Yeah. Well, we don't have to like it. We don't no. have to like it. We don't have to enjoy it. But the sooner we can accept it, and I'll talk about my ABCs. And ABCs, A is A is um, accept the adversity. B, begin to battle. And begin battling is find people who's been through it that can help you get through it. All right. Too much stuff at the finger of the fingertips of our fingers on the world wide web. And five people to help your organizations, and then see once you get all the information. Now let's conquer the challenge. You know, I always leave my podcasts with well, almost all the time with some type of solution-focused uh, action step that the listeners can do in the next week. And I feel as though just beginning to practice those three steps in their life, wherever you are, listener in your life, you know what your adversity is. You know what your challenge is, big or small. And I like what James just uh, pointed out for us. And I know that I'm going to commit to that. And I hope that many of you guys do too, where we learn to accept. We learn to walk into that battle and battle it up. And that we then are, what was the last one? Courageous? Conquer your challenge. Conquer. Courageous, conquer, conquer, conquer it, you know, and conquering it, no matter how that looks. We say, you know what, I'm going to take the, do the battle and I'm going to conquer. And that's beautiful. I'm going to put that in the show notes. And I know that people are going to want to find more about that. I want them to get, I want to get your book. I want many people to get that. So I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. Um, but 
I also really enjoy your YouTube channel. So I hope that some of you guys will hop over to the YouTube. You have some really amazing interviews with some interesting people. And, um, and if I'm ever able to be on and be able to be a part of those people, I'm not sure that I'll be at the same caliber of the type of lessons that they've learned through perseverance. But, um, but I encourage everyone to, to, to hop on over. Tell us about your YouTube channel and, and your podcast again. And then if I tell people, if you just to search and find me, I go by the branding professor of perseverance. And so you find that, you'll find my YouTube channel, you'll find a podcast that's my, also my Instagram. Also, again, my webpage, professorofperseverance.com. Uh, also, Facebook. So just Professor of Perseverance, and you'll, you'll be able to find me, and we can go from there. You got the full branding, Professor of Perseverance, which I love. And that's why I knew that we had to have the Professor of Perseverance himself to round up our four-week series on perseverance. So, um, you know... I just, I'm, I'm so, so glad that we made this happen. I mean, we had to persevere, didn't we? Just to get this interview to happen. Yes, we did. I, we showed, you, some, you both, had some, showed some perseverance. Right? We had to persevere. We had some car things and struggles and we're like, no. I know both of us were like, we're making this happen. So, and, and I'm so, so glad that we did because um, I, I've just been really encouraged to think about the challenges that I've been through in my life in a little bit different way. And that's what it's all about, you know, people helping people. So thank you so much, James, for coming on today with us. Thank you for the opportunity and your uh, listening people. Hey, continue listening to Cher over here. She's doing a great job as well. Well, thank you so much. I am so thankful to James for coming on my show. And life's challenges do need to be put in perspective, don't they? And listening to James' story, I hope that encouraged you to be able to persevere. And we're going to be moving on from persevering. I mean, there's so much we can talk about and so many, so much I've learned through my research and talking to people, but we're going to answer some questions from you guys. So if you want to go to my website and go to contact me, there is a place where you can leave a voice message. If you do that, I might just play it on the air. And you can also leave me an email if that's more comfortable. And we're going to answer some questions. My website is thefocusedmindset.com. And you know what else? Don't hesitate to share this podcast with people that you know, with parents that you know, with families that you know, grandparents, anyone that is influencing the life of children need encouragement. So feel free to share this and have a conversation with people about the things that inspired you. We need to be in community as we move forward because when we reach out and we walk that very first step, all it takes is that one press forward for us to begin to see that yes, we do have a bright future. Even when we feel down, even when we're feeling beaten down by a terrible challenge, just on the other side of that challenge is a wonderful life that you're just barely walking towards. Keep progressing each and every moment and tune in next week for your next episode. But until next time, keep in touch and take care.